1: Hello, this is Kevin Folger. I want we'll to welcome you back to Labors in the Harvest podcast. We're so thrilled that you've joined us today. Today, we uh, pick up part two of our conversation uh, with Dr. Raymond Barber. Dr. Barber, uh, for many years, pastor of the Worth Baptist Church in Fort Worth, uh, Texas, still is the pastor emeritus there, active in the ministry in his 80s, actually working on age 90 still travels and preaches. And I'm just thrilled to be able to sit down and have a conversation with him about his labor for the Lord and the harvest and the journey that God has taken to him in ministry. So sit back and relax and listen to part two of our conversation with Dr. Raymond Barber. Well, it's a great joy to have Dr. Raymond Barber joining me again today for the next uh, segment of our uh, ministry uh, podcast called Labors in the Harvest. Dr. Barber, thank you so much for being with us again today.
2: It's a joy again to be here.
1: Well, it's much appreciated for sure. So we were talking last week. I think we talked a little bit and then we ended our conversation in regards to what was going on in the, in the world as you were a young man growing up, specifically as the Second World War was coming to an end. And you talked about uh, some of your journeys in ministry of uh, going to uh, the seminary there in Fort Worth under Dr. J. Frank Norris. And uh, I'm sure you, got, you have some tremendous recollections of some, some things, uh, specifically uh, Dr. Norris. And, of course, uh, through the years, um, you know, Dr. Norris continues to have an influence and impact on this world. So what were some of your what, what were some of the ways that he impacted you as a, as a preacher going to the seminary that he established?
2: Well, he he emphasized uh, the word of God. He said, interpret scripture by scripture. Our words don't mean anything. God's word means everything. So we implanted it in our hearts and minds, the importance of studying the scripture, memorizing the scripture and, and uh, watching him and his relationship with my dad was a marvelous thing. Uh, I remember just in about 1943, I was about 11 years old. My dad had him for a Bible conference. And at the time my dad just had an old car because you couldn't buy a new car in those days, the steel was going to the war. So, he and my dad were talking in my dad's office and the door was wide open and I was out there, you know, kid like, but I heard him say to my dad, they were great friends. Bob, what are you doing to drive that old shack of a car? (laughs) And so, daddy said, well, Dr. Norris, we can't buy a car for love and the money in this town. So there hasn't been a car on, a new car on a, on a, a floor room, showroom, in probably almost a year. And Dr. Norris said to him, and I heard all of this with my own ears. Dr. Norris said to him, hand me your telephone. So back in those days, it was a dial-up deal and get the operator. And he said, get the, and he called a man's name, the vice president of the Chrysler Corporation on the phone for me. So the man came to the phone and I called him by his first name and they exchanged greetings. And then he said, I've got a friend down in Virginia needs a car. Evidently, the man said, well, what kind of car does he need or want? He says to dad, what kind of car you want, Bob? Daddy said, I'd like to have a Plymouth. Wants a Plymouth. Well, in two weeks, there was not one, but two brand new 19th 44 Plymouths on the showroom, showroom floor, earmarked Dr. R.J. Barr. But one was blue, one was black. I'll never forget. He chose that beautiful, deep blue color. Mm. That's just a kind of, who has that kind of cloud in your <laughs>
1: That's Who right. had it then except yes, Norris?
2: <laughs> but, but you know, Dr. Luther Peake, you probably know that name. Mm-hmm. Dr. Luther Peake told me that they were on a five-week uh, trip to the Holy Land
1: Five
2: weeks. Second, wow. excuse me, five, <laughs> five
1: weeks, wow! Five weeks,
2: wow! <laughs> so after the second week, Dr. Norris got homesick. He was a personal friend to Amon Carter Sr., who owned the Fort Worth Star Telegram, and the WBAP radio station, and the, the the major stock in the American Airlines. So he called his friend and said, "I'm home. I'm, I'm homesick. I've got to go home." He chartered a plane, Dr. Norris, for Dr. Norris, Eamon Carter did, to fly from Tel Aviv to Fort Worth. Wow. Who could do anything like that now? Yes, you know sir. Saying? Yes, yeah. But yeah. we can yeah. learn from those things and appreciate sure. Sure. how God used a man mm-hmm. who built a, the great work of the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth and the seminary and and Edited a paper and the two churches, as you know, yes sir for fifteen years, simultaneously going on back and forth, back and forth for fifteen years, and had a marvelous ministry of hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Christ. Yes, sir. So so it was a marvelous thing to sit at his feet and him come into a chapel service, never open his Bible, take us through the book of Isaiah. The book of Ezekiel, of all the dates, all the names, all of the events, mm. and and just uh, just inspired us to do try to do the same thing. Yes. Sir. So that's one of the things that really had an impression upon me mm. uh, as as a student at the Bible Baptist Seminary under his uh, ministry and sponsorship.
1: So your final pastorate, uh, and uh, I don't know, did you pastor another church before you got to no, Worth Baptist?
2: No, it's the only church I pastored. Now okay. I'm an associate okay. with my dad.
1: Okay. Right. An
2: associate with, in Jacksonville and an associate with my brother.
1: Yes, sir. So, so church, did you, you know, did, was the church already in existence when you became the pastor or did you start yeah, it?
2: Yeah, my brother Bob okay. started the church. Okay. Pastored it for seven years.
1: All right.
2: And my dad died in sixty one, the last part of sixty one. So early the last part of sixty one, actually. Worth Baptist Church called me to to become the pastor, Hmm. and I was installed as pastor on the second Sunday of January in 1962, and pastored until 1997 when I retired. Wow. So 35 years, but the church, we just celebrated last Sunday, 67 years. Four pastors is all. Wow. 67 years. I said to one man something about, Uh, uh, four pastors in that. Well, he said a lot of churches would have had 25 pastors in that time. Yeah. And how true that is.
1: That's true. Uh, Exactly uh, true. Yes, sir. Of the
2: 67 years, Hmm. I was a part of the church in one way or the other, officially, for 62 of those 67 years. Hmm. I said that to our PA came to us. She comes every month to check our blood pressure and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. My wife got to talking to her about the anniversary Sunday coming up, and uh, I said to her something about being there 62 years, but uh, of the 67, she just kind of gasped, you know, and said, "Was well, who was there before you? Was anybody there? I said, yes, God was there,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and thank God he's still there.
1: Amen, that's for sure. Yeah. He's
2: still doing great work with our new pastor. So, what do
1: you think is the key uh you know to a long-term ministry and finishing strong because you you know we see people sometimes start out well and then they end up not finishing well and here, here here you are a man who for seven decades now have been preaching and serving the lord well so i think you can speak to that with some authority so what what do you think in your mind is the key to longevity and you know having a right spirit and finishing well
2: well I would say, number one, to stay focused on the cross, focused on the Bible, uh, to set a course, to know where you're going and why you're going, and how you're going to get there. Work hard, never quit, finish well. Hmm. My dad taught me that, and I, I saw that come to pass in my own life. I was always a hard worker in the past. I love my people. I love the word of God. I love souls. I try to do my best to help people. Uh, my joy was, of course, behind the pulpit desk. And you've experienced this, and every preacher's anybody preached any length of time. Sometimes you can feel like you're not physically able to get up in that pulpit and preach. But the moment you step into the pulpit, something happens as a transformation. And I, I literally experienced that this last Sunday I was I was not well mm. but when I stepped up to the pulpit God stepped up with me mm. and uh, this happened so many times but but staying focused on Christ uh, who he is and what he did for us and his coming again and on the Bible staying with the Bible staying with the book uh, you can you can like you mentioned, you've seen a lot of people start well. I've seen them start out like a Roman candle, and end up like a sparkler, yes, fizzling sir. out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But, but if a man sets his heart and mind to do what God says do, believe what God says, go where God sends, then with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit, and staying the main thing, the main thing, don't get sidetracked. So many preachers get sidetracked in in a business endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against the guys making money, but if a man's a pastor, and he ought to pastor, in my opinion, that's his business, that's his calling, that's his dedication. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Mm-hmm. And don't ever look back and even think about quitting until you cross the finish line. Yes, sir. And I praise God that he's enabled me to be in it. For 70 years and I don't know how many years and weeks or months I have or days I have left and nobody does but I it's my burden and my prayer and conviction that I should finish well yes sir
1: well Dr. Barber one of the things that you're known for is the fact that uh, you have a a mind that has uh, memorized a lot of God's word and I have heard you on a number of occasions stepped up to the pulpit and start quoting an entire chapter of scripture so uh, that's something that uh, while many of us memorize scripture, you have, you've, that's kind of become a, a, something that you're known for. What was it that kind of caused you to have that desire, or what was it that precipitated that type of um, thinking, saying, this is just something I want to do? Was there someone involved in that, or is just the Lord working in your heart?
2: Well, God just worked it in my heart. I, I took the pattern from my dad. My dad was not an educated man. Uh, he he didn't he never went to college or seminary, but uh, he had a heart to please God to preach the word and I watched him, in in the limited way that he did it, memorized scripture, and it just was kind of passed along from the burden to do it, and the will to do it, and it became the thing for me to do. God just opened the door for me and and absolutely i'm amazed that i've been able to do it to the extent that i have mm-hmm. so but it's really a gift from god
1: yeah no question about it gift so from, so if, if someone wanted to say let's just say somebody's listening and say hey i'd re- really like to become someone who memorizes scripture and you know um you know just being a, thy word have i hidden thy heart that i'm not sin against thee but do you have a have a program or something that God used to help you to really get that Scripture in your heart?
2: Well, I don't have what you would call a scientific or systematic deal. But, but if I was telling somebody, a young preacher, uh, to get started, uh, here's what I would tell him to do. He wants to memorize the chapter. We'll say that chapter has 12 verses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I would read that chapter 12 times. I would go back and take verse 1 and stay with it till I mastered it in memorizing it. I would move from verse 1 to verse 2 and stay with verse 2 until I mastered it, and memorized it. Then I'd go back and review. Then I'd go to verse 3 and do the same thing. And the key is review. Yes, sir. Keep going back to verse 1 and verse mm-hmm. 2 and verse 3 until you get all 12 verses mm-hmm. memorized. And, and with a prayer that God would give you the wherewith to do it, the desire the burden to do it if a man sets his mind to do it, I think he can do it but I, but I don't discount the fact that it has to be a gift of God Yes sir God yeah. gives you for that God gives men different gifts mm-hmm. and, and and I think that to to summarize it all up in one, one word God's gift
1: Amen. Well, we're going to wrap up our episode, uh, and uh, hopefully we can finish our conversation next week in our next uh, episode with Labor's and the Harvest. Dr. Barber, thanks again for being a part of it this week, and we hope that our listeners will join us again uh, next week as we have uh, more conversation with our good friend and, and a man who's been a mentor in many respects, Dr. Raymond Barber. Dr. Barber, thanks again for joining us today.
2: You're welcome. I'm glad I could be a part today, and I look forward to next week.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I am so thrilled to listen to dr barber talk about his life and the walk that god has given to him the ministry that god has allowed him to have a part of and uh, be involved with and then of course hear his heart for memorizing god's word well i want to thank you for being a part of today's podcast and. I want to encourage you to join us next week as we finish up our conversation with Dr. Raymond Barber. Once again, this is Kevin Folger. This is Labor's in the Harvest podcast. We appreciate you being with us today. Please let others know about this podcast. We'd love to have them as listeners as well.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. (laughs) ¶¶